0: There's a man from California whose name is Lauren Kritzer. Lauren Kritzer. And Lauren Kritzer uh, was a carpenter. He had a pretty good life until his life changed in 2007. Because that's when he got into a very serious car accident. And as a result of the accident, he had several prolonged hospital stays a recurring pain that he couldn't seem to get rid of, and eventually, as a result of his injuries, one of his feet had to be amputated. So because of all these things going on, carpentry was now out of the question in Lauren's life. After that, he he struggled to make ends meet. He couldn't even take care of his own kids. He had to send them off to live with their grandparents. He was just trying to scrape by in his life and make it. He didn't have a single thing to his name, or so he thought. One day, Lauren Kritzer was watching TV. He was watching an episode of Antiques Road Show." And while he was watching, this man came on who brought this old Native American blanket, and the blanket was valued at about 500,000 dollars. When that got Lauren thinking about the old Navajo blanket that he had sitting in his closet, been there for years. It was a family heirloom. It's pretty much the only thing that Lauren got when his grandmother passed away because his family had taken everything else. They thought the blanket was worthless. They just left it for Lauren Kritzner. So then he had this idea. He said, what, what if my blanket is worth some money too? I mean, probably not $500,000, but he was thinking, maybe it's worth a few grand. That would help out. So he took it to an auction house and afterwards, he soon learned that it wasn't just worth a few grand. He learned that it wasn't wasn't just worth $500,000. He took it to an auction, and that's where he learned that it was worth over a million dollars. And so here was this man who thought that he had nothing to his name, and he actually had something incredible. And when he realized its worth, his whole life changed. I was thinking this week about the fact that I have met many Christians who spiritually are just scraping by in this life. And what I mean is that uh, they struggle with sin, and they decide to accept that, well, it'll just always be that way. So they choose to live in defeat. Or they take one glance at God's word, and it's a little tough to understand. So they choose not to read it, and they don't grow in their faith. Uh, They have a relationship with the living God, yet they live as though they are spiritually destitute. But the truth is, they have an incredible blessing in their lives. And if they would realize that truth, their whole life could change. And that blessing is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can lead us to living a life that is rich in righteousness, vibrant in faith, and powerful in serving God. Understand this, church. The Bible is very clear in Romans chapter 8 that the Holy Spirit lives in every single Christian. Sadly, there are many Christians who, well, they don't know much about the Holy Spirit, who he is, or what his role is in their life. And then there are other Christians who, well, they know a lot about the Holy Spirit. They have a lot of head knowledge about him, but they're not allowing him to affect their lives. Believers, it shouldn't be this way. I want you to consider this. Before Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, and ascended to heaven, he was talking with his disciples. And he wanted them to understand wasn't going to be around much longer. And listen to what Jesus told them in John chapter 16, verse 7. This is what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, Very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, and believers, that's another name for the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, The advocate will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you. So I want you to think for just a minute. Imagine that you are one of the Lord's disciples. You have been with Jesus. You've seen him do things you've never seen before because he's been performing miracles. You've you've heard him teach in ways that nobody teaches because he teaches with authority. You've been walking with the Son of God and he says that not only is he leaving, but it's for your good that he's leaving. That it's for your benefit. I don't know about you, but that would confuse me. I don't know about you, but I'd be devastated by that. But then Jesus tells them one of the reasons why this was good. He said because when he left, he was going to send them the Holy Spirit. Well, that must mean that the Holy Spirit is quite incredible, right? And that's a truth that the disciples would understand later. When the Holy Spirit came and he he guided their ministries, they had these powerful ministries as the Holy Spirit worked through them. Go home and read the book of Acts this week. You'll see what that looked like. Or as the Holy Spirit led them to write the very words of Scripture that we now have in the New Testament. In the same way that the Holy Spirit was blessing God's people then, the Holy Spirit continues to bless God's people today. Yet many believers go their whole lives without realizing what they have with the Holy Spirit who lives within them. You see, if we don't know who the Holy Spirit is and what he does, well, then we're going to live spiritually weak lives. Lives that are ineffective for God's kingdom. But when we realize the greatness of the Holy Spirit who lives in us, our whole way of living should change. Our whole lives should change. And so this morning, we're going to look at why we, as Christians, why we believe in the Holy Spirit. Based on the testimony of Scripture and His presence in our lives. Why we believe in Him. So let's start very basically with who is the Holy Spirit? Who is He? Well, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Now, for the last couple of weeks, we've looked at the Trinity together talked about it, all right, so if you weren't with us the last two weeks, I'd encourage you to go online and catch up, all right, I covered it more in depth the past two weeks than I'm going to this morning, but what this means is that we believe in one God who is triune, which means that our God is one as to essence, but three as to persons, and those three persons are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are equal in divinity and power and attributes, yet distinct in their personhood and in their roles. So what this all means is that the Holy Spirit is God. And he was present at the very beginning of all things, all the way back at creation. You go this week and look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2 and you'll find him there. You read through the Bible, you'll find that he's all throughout the pages of Scripture, And we're going to learn a lot, I pray, this morning about who he is as we see what he does. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to John chapter 16. That's where I was reading just a minute ago. John chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible with you, I encourage you, use one of those Bibles under the seats in front of you. If you'd like to use one of those, you can turn to page 876. Page 876, John chapter 16. And what I want us to start with is the Holy Spirit's role in our salvation. The Holy Spirit's role in our salvation. John chapter 16. We're going to pick up right on the heels of what I've just read earlier. That Jesus, Jesus is talking to his disciples about the Holy Spirit. He says this in John 16 verse 8. Jesus said, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So let's pause right here, so we can understand what Jesus said is saying, believer, before Jesus ever saved your soul, before that day came when you prayed to Jesus in faith for the forgiveness of your sins and a pardon from the penalty of hell, before that thought came in your life of your desperate need for eternal life and your, your need came in your spiritually depraved heart and mind that you needed Jesus, before all of that, the Holy Spirit was at work in your life. And maybe you remember, maybe you remember, believer, that day when conviction grabbed your heart. When you realized that you were a sinner in need of a Savior. And what you may not have known then, but I pray that you know now, is that that conviction came from the Holy Spirit. He was doing a work in your life and in your heart, preparing you for the gospel message. It's true that you freely came to Christ, but first you needed to see the sin in your life, and the Holy Spirit did that. He opened your eyes to that. By the way, believers, this means that when we are sharing the gospel with others, we can be encouraged that the Holy Spirit is doing all the heavy lifting behind the scenes. He's working on that person's heart. We simply have been called to be faithful and obedient to share the good news. He's going to do the hard work He did in our lives. But the incredible thing is, this isn't all that the Holy Spirit does. No, no, no he, he doesn't leave us after we give our lives to Christ and clap our hands and then be done with us. No, He does a whole lot more than that. Let's look at what Titus chapter three says. If you're following along in your Bible, go ahead and turn there to Titus three. If you're using one of those Bibles here in the sanctuary, you can turn to page nine hundred and sixty-six. Page nine hundred sixty-six, Titus chapter three. Listen to this, beginning in verse 4 of Titus 3, it says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that, having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. I don't want us to miss what this is telling us about the Holy Spirit. You see, before we were in Christ, Christians, we were living in the filth of sin. And nothing that we did could make up for that fact. Maybe some of us had fallen for the lie during those days in our life that that we, we could do enough good works that we could clean ourselves up. We could earn our way into heaven. But that's kind of like it's kind of like the man who years ago traveled to a foreign country and he got a room at a little hotel there. And when he walked into his room, before he even turned the lights on, he couldn't help but notice that well, the floors were a little dirty. That kind of bothered him. So he turned around, he was gonna walk out and ask the maid to come and clean the floors up. He looked a little closer and he noticed, well, the problem was a dirt floor. And so he realized that even if you scrubbed the floor with the best soap in the world, it wasn't going to make a difference. If anything, it was probably going to make the situation worse. And in a similar way, before we were in Christ, our good works were like a bar of soap on a dirt floor. They were absolutely worthless. They just didn't do anything. But then the Holy Spirit convicted us of our sin. We heard the message of salvation, and we gave our lives to Jesus Christ. And in that very moment of faith, the Holy Spirit came and did what we can't do. He made us clean. He brought about this washing of rebirth and this renewal. Believers, we were saved by the kindness, the love, and the mercy of God. And we were made a new creation. That's one of the things the Holy Spirit did in our lives. We didn't even realize it was going on. And you want to know what? The Holy Spirit didn't leave us after that either. Listen to what Ephesians chapter 1 says. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says this. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of His glory. You see, the Holy Spirit didn't just convict us, and then it's salvation, wash us and make us new. No, No, then He comes and He lives within us. And He is the seal, the guarantee of our salvation. Let that sink in for just a minute, church. Because you see, so long as we have the Holy Spirit, we have eternal life. And the Bible never tells us that we can lose the Holy Spirit. He sealed us. He will keep us until the day of redemption when we step into that great salvation. We are secure in him because he is in us. And that will not change, believer. These are the things that the Holy Spirit does for us in regard to our salvation. Things that we may not have even realized But he does a whole lot more than that. I I don't want us to just see his role in our salvation. Now I want us to really look at the Holy Spirit's role in our sanctification. That's what I want us to spend some time talking about the rest of our time together this morning. Sanctification is one of those words we use quite a bit in church. We don't always define. When we talk about being sanctified, we're talking about being set apart. So Christian sanctification means that we are being set apart from the world, and from our old way of life, and we are being consecrated to God. Now, in one sense, Christians, in one sense, this has already happened. Because at the moment of our salvation, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, that the righteousness of Jesus was put on our account. Which means that in God's sight, our position is one of righteousness. But then, then that, that's our position but righteousness now needs to be our practice. You see, the other part of sanctification is that we're to live righteously. We're not supposed to live like the world or for the world No, We're supposed to live like Christ and for Christ. This part of our sanctification, this is the, this is the ongoing process in which we're supposed to become more holy, more righteous, more like Christ. Righteous living doesn't happen overnight, but it should be happening in the Christian life. The good news is we're not left doing this on our own strength. So if you're following along, let's go to Galatians chapter 5. If you are using one of those Bibles here in the sanctuary. That's page 946. Galatians 5, page 946. I want to read quite a bit here. I believe I'm going to encourage you to mark this place in your Bible. Take it home. Read this again once, twice, ten times this week. Galatians chapter 5, let's begin in verse 16. It says this. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but I read through that, and those, those, those acts of the flesh, that sounds like our world today, doesn't it? Our world is obsessed with sexual immorality. They dedicate a whole month now to celebrating their sexually immoral obsessions. Our world is impure, worshiping idols, hating each other. That's obvious. Crime is on the rise. Violent riots happen regularly now. They engage in drunkenness, envy, and the like. And the point is that these are the types of things that described how we used to live But they shouldn't describe us anymore. No, 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 we've we've been made new in Jesus Christ. We're supposed to live a life apart from these things. Our lives should be defined by love, by joy, by peace, by patience, goodness, gentleness, by self-control. We've we've crucified, we've put to death that old way of living. But I know that there are some professing Christians who will say, well then why, Andrew, why, why do I still struggle with those things? Why do I struggle with lust? Why do I struggle with envy? Why do I struggle with hatred? Why do I struggle with the passions of the flesh? And maybe maybe there are some of us here who have those or similar thoughts running through our minds right now. And if we do, I have two encouragements for you. The first first is that you need to evaluate, friend, and this is because Scripture tells us to. You need to evaluate whether or not you are in the faith. First and foremost, You ask yourself, Have you truly given your life to Jesus Christ? And if you can say with confidence, yes, I have, then the next thing that you need to evaluate, you need to ask yourself, what effort are you putting forth in order to walk with the Spirit of God who's living within you? You'll notice in Galatians chapter 5 that we're not told that we are dragged along by the Holy Spirit. No, just, just as God doesn't force people into salvation, He will not force His people into sanctification. He won't force us to sanctified living. If you want to live in the filth and broken promises of sin, believer, God will allow you to do that. But you need to beware of the steep consequences of living like that. And one day soon, we're going to talk about what that looks like. For now, you need to understand what Galatians chapter 6 says, which is that we reap what we sow. God will not force you to grow in your faith, but... He has given us everything we need to grow in our faith, including the Holy Spirit who lives within us. A man once described how when he walks into his garden at home, he, he knows what plants are going to grow really well in his garden. Why? Because he knows the soil. And he knows what seeds are going to take root well there. He knows what he needs to do. And that's the thing. See, the garden is not going to grow on its own. That man has to put in the work and he has to obey the laws of nature. He has to do the things that are necessary on his part. He can trust that the seed will do the things necessary on its part. And that's how the garden is going to grow. In the same way, Christians, it's not simply our head knowledge about the Holy Spirit that matters, but it's our cooperation with him. It's only when we walk in obedience to him, following the laws of God, then we're going to bear spiritual fruit in our lives. This doesn't happen by accident. It's got to be intentional. We are told to walk by the Spirit. We're told to keep in step with Him. The Holy Spirit will guide you in how you ought to live, believer. He'll he'll guide you on the paths of righteousness, help you avoid the pitfalls of sin, but you have to be willing to follow His lead. And that comes first by yielding yourself to Him. You have to choose to follow God's will and God's desires instead of your own. And one of the ways that we know, what are God's, God's desires for us? what's God's will? One of the ways that we can understand these things is to pour ourselves into God's word so that we know what righteous living looks like. Then when those temptations come into our lives, we'll know that they're wrong. We'll know that those are sin in God's sight. And we need to run quickly to God for strength to overcome those things. Believers, the good news is that God promises victory to his children when we do run to him. I'd encourage you to go home and look at 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. Now, am I saying that you're going to be perfect? No, not this side of heaven. But as you yield yourself to the will of God, as you lean on him for strength, you're going to find that the Holy Spirit will be guiding and directing you and how you ought to live. And then you need to do those things. It's going to take effort on our part. It's like the garden doesn't bear fruit without any effort. In the same way, the fruit of righteousness takes effort. But understand that it is far, far better than the fruit of sin. Of course, maybe you're here thinking to yourself, that sounds nice, but how, how, how can I know what the Bible teaches about these things when I have a hard time understanding the Bible in the first place? Well, boy, do I have great news for all of us here. And that's that the Holy Spirit is there to help us with that. If you're following along, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, this is page 925. If you're using one of those Bibles here in the sanctuary. Page 925, 1 Corinthians 2. I want us to see this. This this is incredible. We're going to start in verse 12. And that's simply for the sake of time. Go home, read this whole chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 says this. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The Bible, believers, the Bible is God's truth to mankind. But the wisdom of mankind can't discern it. Now you need God for that. And what we're being told here is that we who have the Holy Spirit, which would be all Christians, that we have the Holy Spirit, we can understand what God has freely given to us. Why? That's because the Holy Spirit reveals these things to us. He helps us understand God's Word as we study the truth within it. But here's the thing, just like walking in righteousness, understanding God's word, it takes time and it takes effort on our part. God does not give us a full understanding of every part of his word after sitting down and reading it one time through from cover to cover. Have you ever noticed that? Well, have you ever wondered why that is? Why doesn't God just let us understand everything, if the Holy Spirit's in why don't we just understand everything right away, all at once? Let me offer you a couple thoughts. First, I believe because if that was the case, we would never pick up the Bible again. Been there, done that. Would be the mindset that a lot of us would have. Instead, we're supposed to go to the Bible often. Like the psalmist in Psalm 119, we should meditate on the truth of God's word. We should pray that the Lord would allow the truth of his word to fall fresh on our hearts every time. Second, to be honest with you, I don't think our sinful selves could grasp the depth and the beauty of God's word in a single read if we tried. Its truth stretches too deep. Its splendor reaches too high for us to read it once and grasp all of it. So what we find is that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit takes us at the proper pace as we read through God's word. Think of it like this. There was a young boy who was born blind, but through an incredible medical procedure, his sight was restored. So over the first few days, his mother kept the lights dim, and she slowly let more and more light in, until the day finally came that she took him outside for the first time. And he saw things he had never seen before. He saw trees, grass, birds, clouds. Everything that we see when we walk outside these doors, he saw this for the first time, and he asked his mom, he said, Mom, why didn't you tell me that it was this beautiful? His mom started to cry. She said, I tried to tell you. You just couldn't understand believers, we could never understand the fullness of God's word immediately. Instead, you'll find that God is patient with us. Slowly, he reveals, the Holy Spirit reveals more and more spiritual light. He allows us to understand his word at a pace that we can handle. And as more spiritual truth starts to come in, we start to see the beauty of it. It made me think of a a well-known Christian quote, this is one that some of you may have heard before because it was spoken long ago by a Christian who said, the Bible the Bible is shallow enough for a child not to drown, yet deep enough for an elephant to swim. In other words, when we come to the Bible, the young believer can take something away from it, just like the mature believer can take something away from it. it reminded me of how both my boys, my boys love swimming in the pool. But they're not good at swimming in the pool because they're little. So they still need me or Casey by their size the whole time. And my youngest son, he'll just stay in the shallowest water the whole time. He'll be content to splash there and play in the very shallow end. But my older son, he wants me to take him deeper and deeper. It's the part where I can barely stand in the water. Because the more confidence he gains as we spend time there, the further he wants to go. And Christians, we're always going to need help when it comes to understanding God's word. Good news is that the Holy Spirit is always right there with us. And he's the one who takes us to the depth that we can handle in God's word. Those who study and meditate on scripture longer, they're going to know more. They're going to have a better understanding. They're going to have the benefit of more wisdom from it because by maturity and growth, they can handle the deep end. So that's where the Holy Spirit takes them. And if that's what we want in our lives, we need to be dedicated to studying God's Word, trusting that the Holy Spirit is going to bring us along at a pace that we can handle. And look, here's the thing, church. There is a lot more that I wish I could talk about this morning. I don't have enough time to talk about how the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts so that we can serve God and His people. How the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in prayer. How He assures us of our salvation. How he brought about our adoption into God's family. How he guides God's people in reaching others. How he's grieved by our sin. How he helps us guard good doctrine. We don't have time for all these things, but what you need to know is there is a whole lot more that he does for us. So we're going to keep these verses up for another minute because I'm going to encourage you to jot these references down so that you can go home and look at them this week. So that you can meditate on these truths. And I trust that with the help of the Holy Spirit, you're going to grow to know him more. And you're going to grow in your faith as you do. Believers, the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. He's already changed your eternity. He wants to change your life, too. He wants to help you defeat those stubborn sins that you think will just always be a part of your life. He wants to help you defeat those. He wants to help you understand God's Word. He wants to help you walk in righteousness. He wants to help you serve in the church. He wants to help you live confidently in Christ but you need to yield yourself to Him. You need to be willing to say, I am going to let go of my will, and I'm going to pursue His. You need to be willing to say, I'm not going to chase after that temptation, I'm going to chase after holiness. You need to be willing to say, I'm going to look to God's Word instead of to godless living. We need to yield to the Holy Spirit in our lives. Here's the truth this morning if you want to know this, the Christian who is strong in faith and strong in the fight against sin is the Christian yielded to the Holy Spirit within them. Okay, there's there's not a secret when you see those Christians who are just, they're strong in their faith. Boy, they know how to really defeat temptation. It's not a secret. They're yielding to the Holy Spirit who lives within them. That's what we need to remember. Church, when Lauren Kritzer had that Navajo blanket buried away in his closet for years didn't do him any good. And so long as we try and bury away the Holy Spirit's influence in our lives, we're not going to be doing any good for God's kingdom either. I want to leave you with this. A pastor once said this. He said, you know, it's one thing to have a guest in your house living in some remote corner of the house where you scarcely know that he's even there. It's quite another thing To have the guests come and take entire possession of the house. And in the same way, it's one thing to have the Holy Spirit dwelling way back of consciousness in some hidden sanctuary of your being. And quite another thing, to have the Holy Spirit take entire possession of the house. So believer, what role does the Holy Spirit have in your life? What role does he have in your life? I trust... That the Holy Spirit has and is convicting some of us, at least this morning, of some serious changes that we need to make in our lives. And I pray that we will listen to him. My encouragement to you believers is if he is convicting you of these things, then just a moment as we have our time of invitation, that final song that we sing, I'm going to encourage you to go to the Lord in prayer. Maybe you just need to fall down right there where your seat is. Maybe you need to come to the altar and pray so that other Christians will have the boldness to come and pray alongside you too. But however he is convicting your heart, I pray that each of us would respond accordingly. And maybe you're here and Jesus Christ isn't your Savior. You've never given your life to him. never received that forgiveness that Jesus offers, the salvation that he freely has offered. Friend, if that's you, please understand, you're not here by mistake today. However it is that you think you got here, somebody invited you, or you drove by, or whatever the case might be, you're not here by mistake. God is doing a work in your life, whether you realize it or not. And you need to realize that God does love you, but you also need to realize that your sin, those bad things that you have done, your sins are separating you from God. In fact, your sin's going to separate you forever from God after this life in a place called hell, because that's a just punishment for sin. That's the bad news. The good news is, God doesn't want you to be separated from him. That's why he's doing a work in your life. He wants you to understand the truth that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins and mine. That Jesus didn't stay in the grave, but that he rose from the dead. And that through faith in him, you can be forgiven of your sin. You can't clean yourself up, but he can. And he wants to forgive you of all your sin. He wants to bring you into his family. He wants you to be indwelled by his Holy Spirit. To be saved forever. And friend, if you have never made that decision, understand the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Friend, I don't know how long the Holy Spirit has been chasing after you, but I pray that before you leave today, you'll give your life to Jesus Christ. We want to give you the chance to do that right now. If you would bow your heads, close your eyes with me, let's pray. Friend, if that's where you're at, if Jesus is not your Savior, please understand, during this final song, you can come talk with me about this. We can pray together. You can ask me the questions that you might have. We can look at what the Bible says. But maybe you're ready right now to give your life to Jesus Christ. Because He's been chasing after you and you know it and you see the sin in your life and you know that you need to be saved. And if that's true for you, friend, please understand that right now, where you're sitting, no matter what you're going through in life, if you go to Jesus Christ in prayer and by faith you admit that you are a sinner, but that you believe He died on the cross for you and that He rose from the dead, friend, if you give Him your life, I promise you on the authority of God's Word, He'll save your soul. He'll forgive you of all your sin. The Holy Spirit will come and clean you and make you a new creation in Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that if there's anyone here who hasn't made that decision yet, I pray that they wouldn't leave until they've made that decision. They wouldn't leave without talking to me or talking to Pastor Brandon or talking to the person sitting next to them, because they're in a church filled with people that want them to know that you do love them. You want them to be saved. You want them to be a part of your family. And that can happen today. And for those of us who have made that decision, Father, who have given our lives to Jesus Christ, help us to understand the greatness of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And help us to stop living these spiritually defeated lives where we just decide that sin is going to be there forever because it's too hard. We're not going to read the Bible because it's too tough to understand. Help us instead to realize that, yes, yes, we've got to to strive. It's It's going to be hard work to defeat temptation to go into those battles and fight against, but we're not fighting alone. You're there with us. You're going to give us the strength. Yeah, we need to pour into living a righteous life. We need to pour ourselves into understanding your word and you're going to be right there because your Holy Spirit living within us is going to guide us in these things. And so Father, I pray that as your Spirit is convicting our hearts today, oh God, that we would respond the way that we need to. That those of us who have sins that we've just allowed to be in our lives, that we would confess those to you and we would choose today that we're not going to live defeated lives anymore. We're going to rely on you. That those of us who have ignored the Bible for a long time, we would choose today that that's over. We're going to start pouring into your word. That those of us today who haven't taken seriously getting to know you would choose that that ends today. And I pray that we would be a church that does know you and that is faithful to make you known to the people here in this community so that you'd be glorified, because that's what we want, Father. We want you to be glorified. Father, we love you. But your Holy Spirit who lives within us, assures us day after day that you love us more. And we thank you for that. And we thank you for him. In Jesus' name, amen.